0: Gada, we say towards the end of the first part of that Gada, why do we eat matzah? Because when the Jewish people left Egypt, they left in such a rush, with such haste that the dough didn't have a chance to rise. The obvious question is, the Jewish people were commanded to eat matzah before they left Egypt. That night, they had a that. Before midnight, they were commanded to stay at home, slaughter the animal, the uh, paschal lamb, smear the doorposts with the blood, and to eat the matzah and the mother. And then they left. So why, does, why doesn't it say we eat the matzah because the Jewish people were commanded to eat the matzah? Not because of what happened after they left. So the obvious answer is, one thing you can say that Hashem knows the future. So the reason why Hashem told them to eat matzah is because, because Hashem knew that once they were going to leave, they were going to leave in such a rush, and such haste, that the, the, the dough wouldn't have a chance to rise. And that's why He commanded them earlier to eat matzah. Another explanation is that the commandment to eat matzah before they left Egypt, was only that day, that night. They were only commanded to eat matzah one night. For us, however, Pesach is seven days, seven nights. So that's what, that's what the Torah is coming to explain. Why, the, why, are we, why do we eat matzah for seven days? Why don't we have chametz for seven days? Where does that come from? You can't say it's because of the original command. The original command was only for one day. Because they left Egypt in such haste that the matzah, the dough didn't have a chance to rise. And they ended up eating matzah for the next seven days. And that's why we have a Pesach of seven days. We have to eat matzah and no chametz for seven days. But the question remains, we're sitting at the Seder. And we're saying this matzah that we're eating at the Seder, the first night, before midnight, before they left Egypt, is because they left in the haste. That only explains why they were obligated to eat matzah for seven days and not chalmis, but not the first night. The first night they were commanded to eat matzah. So, this is the question. And he explains that there's a difference in how the word matzah is spelled, in the commandment to eat matzah the night of Pesach, before they left Egypt. Over there, the Torah says they should eat matzahs without a vav. Just the mem, tzadik tzaddik. No vav. In the, when the Torah says that they ate matzahs when they left Egypt, because they left in such a rush, there the Torah says, uses matzahs with a vav, the full matzahs. Mem, tzadik vav, tzaddik. Because what does the vav represent? The vav represents like you draw something down. A vav extends. It's an extension. When you, something is extended downwards, the Vav represents the extension, the revelation of Hashem that took place at midnight. The moment they left Egypt, because it was an intense revelation. The, when the clock struck midnight, there was an intense revelation. Nigla <speaking> in <Hebrew> Hashem revealed Himself. At that moment, simultaneously, two things happened, two opposite things happened. The Egyptians were crushed, all the firstborn died. At that very same moment, the Jewish people were freed. So this is the Vav represents that extension, that revelation, intense revelation of Hashem, which caused the Exodus. And as a result, because the Exodus, they left in such a rush, the dough didn't have a chance to rise. So the matzahs were full. The matzahs that come after midnight, there's a before and after. Before they ate matzahs before the, the, the redemption, that matzah was missing. Didn't have the vav. Didn't yet have to have this revelation of Godliness. Then the matzahs that come after the vav, after the revelation, and that's why it didn't have a chance to rise. And he says that's why there's a difference. The matzahs that they ate before midnight—you have to watch, matzah shmurah. You have to watch it. You have to protect it. You have to make sure it doesn't turn. It doesn't turn into chametz. It needs protection because it's a, a lower level. Because it did not come about through a revelation of godliness, therefore you need special protection. That it shouldn't turn. It shouldn't turn negative. Wherever there's life, wherever there's energy, wherever there's life, the negative forces could gnash from it, could sustain themselves from it, could derive energy from it. You have to protect, you have to make sure that it doesn't go in the wrong direction. But the masses that were eaten after the exodus didn't need any protection. It just couldn't rise. Because of this revelation of godliness, it didn't even allow it to rise. It didn't even have the opportunity to rise. And for seven days, all he had was matzahs. Usually, it, ta- it's very quickly, it takes very quickly for matzahs for the dough to rise, to turn 11, 18 minutes. They say a rabbi's drasha should be like matzahs. It should never be longer than 18 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> But here, for seven days, they had matzahs. They, they were rushing for seven days. I mean, it means because of, rev- of the revelation of God, they didn't have a chance to rise. They didn't allow it to rise. So, what does this mean? So he explains the Zohar refers to matzah as food of faith, michle de It's also called food of healing. The second night, matzah, the second seder there's food of healing. The first night is food of faith. What does it mean, food of faith? So, the Talmud says that a child, a baby, doesn't know how to call its parents, you know, tata, mama, father, mother, abba, ima, until it starts eating salads, until it starts eating grains. Only when it starts eating grains does it know how to call abba and ima. Before that, the child can be intelligent, but it just can't. It doesn't know father, or mother. It doesn't mouth the words. When they start eating grain, that's when they start saying father and mother, knowing father. Now, what does that mean? Knowing, they're babies. Even when they say papa, mama, they don't know it, They don't know what it means. They don't understand what a father is, what a mother is. It's the babies. Two year olds, uh, even less than that, they don't understand. But even without understanding, they know with every fiber of their being and every bone in their body, they know that these two people are very special to them. So they know the essence of what it means, the essence of the word they know. They don't understand the whole philosophy of what it means to be a father, what it means to be a mother, why is this my father, how is this my mother? They have no clue, they don't even know how babies are born. but it doesn't matter. The essence they have. All that understanding is contained in this, these two words. Papa, Mama, Father, Mother, Abba, ima, This, It's all there. And they, they know the essence. But these two people are very special. To They're not like anyone else in the whole entire universe. This is my father, this is my mother. No one else. And that's very special. And that's enough. That essence contains the whole... Understand Just like when you, when you know a halacha, you know a law and the code of Jewish law, all you know is the bottom line, the conclusion. I don't understand the philosophy behind it. And I don't understand in the, in the Talmud you had 10 pages discussing this and you had arguments and discussions and it's enough to, to, to spin your head around 20 times and you're breaking your head. All you know is the bottom line of all of this discussion is... This is what you have to do. When you know that, I know the essence. I don't know. It contains, all the depth is contained in this halacha, but I I don't know it. I'm totally not aware of it. I'm not even capable of knowing. I'm just, it's all I know. But you know the essence of the whole thing. It's all concentrated in this halacha. All that depth, all that discussion, all the thinking and the thought process is concentrated in this halak. So too, the whole understanding of what a father and a mother is is concentrated in this awareness that the baby knows and starts saying, Abba, Im. It's all there. It's all concentrated. And the power of, of corn, or the power of, of grain, when the child starts eating grains, breads, that's solids that's when the child has the ability to know, to get the awareness. Before that, the child is not developed. the mind is simply not developed enough to have, have this awareness of what it means, abba Iman. So that awareness of father and mother that comes with grain with eating grain because this tremendous grain is rooted in wisdom and and therefore, that's why we make a, a blessing over the bread, over the grain, the five grains. So when the child eats it, it develops, it helps develop the brain and the mind, and that the child now becomes aware, consciously aware, of the fact that there is a father and there is a mother, and I have a father, and it's my mother, and it's my father. And that awareness, even though it's on a very small level, but it nevertheless contains the whole essence of the whole idea. The grain comes from the chachma, and this is what develops the awareness of Av, Papa, Mama, Father and Mother. And the same is true spiritually. Just like when you physically, when the child physically eats the grain, it develops the awareness of Father and Mother. So when a Jew eats the Matzah and Pesach, which has to be from the five grains, it's literally food of faith. It develops a Jew's faith. It develops an awareness to our Father in Heaven. It develops that faith. Even though we don't understand it. Because what is Jewish faith? To believe it is there's a God? For that you don't need faith. Billions of people believe it is there's a God. All the religions are based on a, an awareness that there's a God. All the mysticism doesn't take faith. Does it take faith to believe in your own soul? Have you ever seen your soul? Have <laughs> you ever heard your soul? you ever seen your soul? No. It's spiritual. We, don't, we, don't, we don't, can't see spirituality. But you're more certain of your soul than anything else in the world. Because you're alive. You have energy. That's your soul. I, I don't need to see it. I don't need to touch it. I don't need to, to hear it. I, I'm alive. I'm not a, you ever seen a corpse, God forbid? It's a piece of clay. A lifeless corpse is, is clay. I'm alive. All 100 trillion cells is alive. I'm not a machine. The soul is not a, an engine, a motor. The body is alive. I'm alive. If you, if you prick me, it hurts. I'm alive. I feel it. So I am the microcosm. From the microcosm, I can extrapolate the same is true of the macrocosm. I look at the world. The world is dynamic. The world is alive. There's organic life. And there's animal life. And there's human life. And, and all the, uh, the stars and, the, and all these uh, celestial things are in motion, constant motion. The world is alive. The world is... And that's the world that I can see. And now we know we only know... Uh, of the universe, the whole known universe is only 5% of the universe, 95% of the universe, I can't see you know, we just see the tip of the tip of the tip of the iceberg, and the whole reality is beyond us, I mean, so of course the world is alive I mean, to believe it, I don't need faith to believe it is a God the world is alive the soul, a God is the soul of the world of course so what is faith? what is Jewish faith? The very first of the Ten Commandments. I am Hashem who took you out of Egypt. That's according to Maimonides and Nachmanides. That is the mitzvah to believe. What is this mitzvah of belief? The mitzvah of faith, Jewish faith. This is what's unique to the Jewish people. and it's light years beyond religion and mysticism and Hinduism and Buddhism and all of that. Jewish faith which is unique to the Jewish people, when we have a holy soul and a Jewish soul, we're born to a Jewish mother, or if we convert halachically, we have that Jewish soul, and we have that faith, that Jewish faith, is that the fact that God is a creator, this is not, this is not what God is all about. The essence of God transcends the fact that he's a creator. You know, to religion, God is a creator. That's what God is. But to the Jew... God's essence is so transcendent, it's so beyond Him being a creator. It's almost like God can't even find it within Himself that He's a creator. It the, the, means nothing. It's completely insignificant. It's as if we don't exist. The whole universe, while He's creating it, after He created it, while He's creating it, it's as if it doesn't exist. You know, from the sun's perspective, the light of the sun. It's as if it doesn't exist. It means nothing. What does the light add to the sun? What does it mean? It's as if it doesn't exist. Not that it doesn't exist. It's not an illusion. God creates the world. It's real. But it, it means nothing. It's, 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 it's as if it doesn't exist. It's completely insignificant. Not only is the world insignificant, but even the divine energy with which God creates the world, His own energy that creates the world, is also insignificant, Hashem. So Hashem, the essence of God, is so beyond, transcendent, so beyond this world. And because God is not defined by this world, that's why God creates this world. That's why God could create the world. Because He's so transcendent, that's why He's able to create. And that explains why the Jewish people, why... The chosen people are able to have such an inordinate amount of influence on the world, precisely because we, like Hashem, completely transcend the world. Every Shabbat, the Jew is completely removed from this world. The world, the outside world, simply ceases to exist for us. You have a ten million dollar business deal. I, I'm, I don't. It doesn't exist. It means nothing. We live in a different universe. We draw inwardly, and we have nothing to do with the outside world. Our self-definition, we're not defined by the world. We're completely transcendent from the world. Once a week, on Shabbat, that's the highlight of our week. That's how we define ourselves. And that's why six days a week, when we engage in the world, we're able to redefine the world, change the world, transform the world, revolutionize the world, bring light into the world, elevate the world, precisely because we're not the world. You can't do tikkun olam if you are the olam. If you are the problem, you can't bring any light into the world. A prisoner cannot release himself from prison, because we are the outsiders. We're not part of the world. That's why it says, every day of the week has a partner. Is one day, the odd day out, the seventh, the Shabbos. There's 70 nations. Every nation has a partner. There's the one odd nation. (laughs) That's the 71st nation, the Jewish people. Hashem says, you both are odd. You don't have any partners. You're going to be each other's partners. You're going to be each other's marriage. Uh, Because like Hashem, Shabbat, the Jew, reflects Hashem. Hashem's essence completely transcends the world. The world simply, it simply doesn't exist from that point of view. And that explains why the Jew, how could we stand up to the whole world? when 99.9% of the world came crashing down on us. Aristotle is laughing, Plato is laughing. Are we so stiff-necked and so stubborn we couldn't kill less as anyone thinks? We're not robots. Where do we have that strength? We're sitting in a concentration camp. We're sitting in a ghetto and we're celebrating Pesach. I'm a free person. You're free? <laughs> really? I noticed. The whole world is coming down on you and you, you're a free person. You celebrate freedom. Because it's what we have in the inside. We have a relationship, a faith a relationship with the essence of Hashem. And the universe just simply ceases to exist. So 99.9% of the universe is laughing. So, who cares? means nothing. I'm with Hashem. Hashem transcends the whole frame of reference of the universe. It's totally transcendent. This is beyond religion. This is beyond mysticism. Mysticism is feeling the soul of the world just like you feel your own soul, you experience your own soul, so you meditate and you realize that the world is dynamic and the world is vibrant and the divine energy. This is Hashem, it's not like a body to a soul. The body to the soul, that's religion. The body is egoless to the soul, the body is nullified to the soul, the body is completely light and egoless and unified with its soul. But you can't say that the body is nothing in comparison to the soul. The body is something. The body is very significant. The fact that the body is a vessel for the soul, the body could contain the soul, the body is also something. But the body is an entity in itself. When the soul leaves the body, the body doesn't disappear. The body is not just a projection of the soul. Yes, they're interlinked and they're parallel and the, the eye perfectly matches the soul's ability to see and every organ of the body perfectly matches the soul's, soul's unique soul ability. And it, it's like a reflection and a projection of the soul, but the body has a life of its own, a being of its own. And the body could contain the soul and is a vessel for the soul. And that's why the body-mind connection, they interact, one affects the other. Not only does the soul affect the body, the body also affects the soul. If the body is in pain, the soul feels it. Hashem is not a soul and the world is not Hashem's body. To Hashem, the world doesn't exist. Hashem is so beyond this world, so transcendent. It's nothing. Hashem is not affected by this world. The soul is affected by the body. The soul is trapped in the body. You can't, you can't uh, take a hike, take a vacation, take a break. You know, let me leave the body and <laughs> let me try. Let me try. It's not like you're changing your suit. You know, let me try a different suit. You know, I'm going to try a different body tonight. You're married, and your soul and the body are stuck together. Hopefully, hopefully for 120 years in good health. So, I, so it's not an accurate analogy. The body-soul connection is not an accurate analogy. That's the basis of religion. That's the basis of mysticism. But Jewish faith understands and and believes that Hashem is so beyond. And therefore we're completely nullified before Hashem. We worship Hashem. We're completely egoless before Hashem. and Hashem gave the Torah, it wasn't just rules and laws. Hashem gave the Torah, the Jewish people expired. They literally expired after each commandment. Because that's the effect of the revelation. When Hashem revealed his essence at Mount Sinai, the first commandment, I am Hashem, that's the foundation, the mitzvah, the first mitzvah, the basis of faith, the belief in Hashem, Jewish faith. They experienced it. They became completely nullified, literally nullified, egoless, completely. They died, they expired, they couldn't. And Hashem had to resurrect them. So this is really the essence of Jewish faith. Now, just like that baby, that child, that little infant, that infant says, Abba, Ima, mother, father, mother, the child has no clue, no understanding what a father is, no understanding what a mother is. But yet the child knows in his guts, with every fiber of his being, that this is my father, this is my mother. These are very special. There's no one in the world like them. And that truth, that awareness, contains all the depth and all the philosophy and all the understanding that goes into what is a mother and what is a father. So too, when a Jew eats the matzah on Pesach, it's literally food of faith. It triggers, it gives us the ability to be aware, it brings the faith out to our consciousness, to the open that we can cry out and, and connect with Hashem and feel and be aware that Hashem is my Father. Even though I don't understand the whole depth and this whole understanding, it's counterintuitive. What do you mean I don't exist? What do you mean the whole universe doesn't exist? It's not an illusion and yet it's, it's, it doesn't exist. It's, it is, but it isn't. It's it just, it just so astounding and astonishing to me that it makes no sense to me and it goes contrary to everything. <laughs> what do you mean I don't exist? You no, know, the sun is shining. And Einstein came and told you the sun is not shining. It's pitch black. Ten Einstein, And they prove it to you with irrefutable logic. Would you doubt for a moment that the sun is shining? I see you with my eyes. It's very nice. I respect you, Mr. Einstein. and I, I'm, I have nothing to say. I'm dumbfounded. Your proofs are irre- irrefutable and your logic is irrefutable. But what should I tell you? I see the sun, so... You know, I don't know what to tell you, but I don't doubt for a moment that the sun is shining. Go tell a human being, seven billion people. You, I don't exist. There is no I. There is no ego. I mean, you can explain it to them from today till tomorrow with the most profoundest logic in the world. It's not gonna. I won't question my existence for a moment. The fact that I exist is a given. (laughs) <laughs> the sun is shining. I exist. I'm sorry. I, I feel my ego very prominently and very strongly. It's not even a question in my mind that I exist. And my existence is everything and my existence is the foundation of everything. Does God exist? Okay, we'll have a discussion. But my existence, I'm so comfortable with that. It's so natural. It feels so natural. It's not even a question. That's why the 7 billion people don't have this faith that nothing exists besides Hashem, they can't. It goes contrary to every fiber of their being, and every bone in their body. It says, of course I exist. What do you mean I don't exist? They just can't accept it. But this is Jewish faith. We have a neshama. We have a holy soul, a piece of the divine essence. We have that faith. And to us, it's crystal clear. We don't exist. All there is is Hashem. And that's the effect of the matzah. When we eat the matzah and Pesach, just like a little child, until he eats the, the grain, he cannot say father and mother. He's not aware of the idea of a father and a mother. Even though it's on a very small level. So too, on Pesach, when we eat the matzah, this triggers within us that awareness, that faith, comes out into the open. And now we sense, Hashem is my father, nothing else exists, all there is is Hashem. And that is the exodus from Egypt. We're not commemorating something that happened 3,300 and, to be precise, 30 years ago, this Pesach. It's not the anniversary. We are leaving Egypt Friday night, a week from Friday night, and we're going to be sitting at the Seder, we're eating the matzah By eating the matzah, which reveals the faith within the Jew and brings it out to a conscious level and we have that sense that Hashem is my Father, this is the Exodus from Egypt? I'm getting out of Egypt. I'm getting out of limitations. I'm getting out. But the matzah is called bread of poverty, lechem oini, because it's like that child, that infant. That infant doesn't really understand. It's like an infantile, an infantile understanding. He doesn't understand. It's more like a feeling, an instinct, an awareness. Father, mother. He can't explain it. He doesn't understand it. He can't articulate it. So when we eat the matzah, we don't fully grasp this concept in its depth and in a real deep penetrating understanding that I don't exist and the whole universe doesn't exist and we're all nullified before Hashem and all there is is Hashem and nothing else. I I can say the words, but I don't really, truly understand it. But I have that feeling. It's like a sixth sense, faith, Jewish faith, like a sixth sense. It's an instinct, it's a feeling. And that feeling is very powerful because it's concentrated. All that depth and all the understanding is concentrated in that instinct, in that faith. It's the emmes. It's the conclusion of all the discussion. It, that's the bottom line. And the bottom line is crystal clear. And when it comes to the bottom line, there is no distinction. Great Jew, small Jew, big genius, small genius, simple Jew, child. Every Jew has this faith equal. You have a neshama, you're born to a Jewish mother, you have this faith. Naturally, instinctively, it's innate, it's inherent, it's inborn. We're born with it, we inherit it. A baby, a day-old baby inherits all of his parents' billions. So every Jew, the moment you're born, you already inherit this faith, this neshama. You have it. You're a billionaire, you're born into it. But this is what the matzah does. But he says, this matzah needs protection. Why does this matzah need protection? Because it's it's just an instinct. I don't really understand it. I haven't really internalized it. I don't fully grasp it. It's more like a feeling, an instinct. So it needs protection. To hold on to it, to this faith, to this feeling. However, the matzah with a complete vav, that came about when Hashem revealed Himself, and revealed His essence, which is represented by the Vav that extends downwards, that, was, uh, re- exp- uh, that Hashem revealed His essence, His intense revelation, this matzah doesn't need any protection, because it's fully, it's fully revealed. When this revelation is fully revealed, when you're able to internalize and understand and experience it fully, then it's not even possible for anything negative to to come out of it. So that's what he says. That's the difference between when they left Egypt, before they left Egypt and after they left Egypt. Before they left Egypt, they could only eat the matzah without the vav. It was before the revelation of Hashem, before they left Egypt, and that was why the commandment was only for one day. But the matzah that they ate for the next seven days, the matzah with the vah, which came about as a result of the of the revelation of Hashem, the Exodus. That, a complete matzah. That's a complete egolessness, a complete level of nullification, where my entire being has absorbed and is coincides and is consistent with this understanding that I don't exist. And that's what we say in that God, that today we are able to experience the second level of matzah, the matzah with above, vav, even before midnight. When we're sitting at the seder, that's what we say at the seder, the matzah that we're eating at the seder, even though it's before midnight, this is not the level of the matzah that the Jewish people... Eight, and, they experience, and the results that they experienced before they left Egypt. But we, sitting at the Seder at night, are able to experience, tap into the level of matzah that they experience after midnight with the Vav. As a result of this revelation of Hashem, when they rushed out of Egypt with such haze that the matzah simply didn't have a chance to rise, couldn't rise, because as a result of this revelation, it didn't allow the do to rise. Why the difference? Why today could we achieve and experience this so early on before midnight? The difference is because they were before Mount Sinai. We're after Mount Sinai. Because we have mitzvahs. Mitzvahs also with a (laughs) vav. When we have a mitzvah, a mitzvah is the same revelation of Hashem, a mitzvah is Hashem, a mitzvah is Hashem's will. So when we have the giving of the Torah, we have especially when we have all six hundred and thirty mitzvah. And it's it's compared to like a um a beam that connects the ceiling to the ground. You have the crown and you have the, the connection. So when we are able to tap into Hashem's desire, Hashem's wish, which is Hashem's intimate self, which is Hashem's self, so we are doing mitzvahs all year round before Pesach so therefore since we're post Mount Sinai we are able to have this revelation of Hashem so even in the first time we eat matzah before midnight we are able to experience the higher level of matzah that's also hinted at in the word matzah the difference in chametz and matzah the same letters the only, the only difference is the ches and the hay, which also are alike. That little, little thing on the left top side, a little piece. That's the difference in the ches and the hay. A hay is spelled hay, hey. The sound of the hay. If you write it out, it's hey, hey. So there's a double hay, there's two levels. There's one level of the matzah, the lower level, which is like the, the infant. Who can call father and mother? So even though the, the infant is very attached to his parents, with every fiber of his being, every bone of his body, in his kishkas, he knows that these two people. But there's no understanding. It's like on a very low level. It's like all this concent- all this deep understanding of father and mother has been concentrated into this tiny little baby formula that that the baby can, the, could digest and absorb and receive. That's why it's called the lechemaini. It's a bread of, of uh, impoverished bread. But it also contains the hay. The hay is silent, it's like hidden within the hay, because you only write the hay, but you pronounce it hay, hay, hay. So the hay is like the hidden hay inside the other hay. This is the deeper level of complete egolessness, when you, which you reach when you're completely mature and you completely are able to fully grasp and fully understand. It's like a difference today. Scientists today have come to the realization scientifically that they don't understand. And they can't understand. They know that they don't understand. See, there's a difference when a person starts out life saying, I don't know. It's not the same as when Einstein says, I don't know. It's a huge difference. (laughs) When you start out, you don't know, you don't know, you don't know anything. The previous Lubavitcher Rebbe was in prison. And um, he told his interrogators who were Jewish, he said, I want to tell you a story. <laughs> and they got very upset. Yeah, you're telling us stories? We're here to interrogate you. you know, we did not hear to be entertained by your stories. <laughs> the previous Rebbe says, Even my opponents, when I tell them a story, they listen. He said, OK. He told them a story how his grandfather, the Tzamoch Tzedek, his great-grandfather, the Rebbe the Tzamoch Tzedek, third Rebbe. So he once told one of the Maskilim, um, one of the Jews who became heretical and was undermining the Jewish community. And and he told him that in the uh, story of the Megillah, the story of the Megillah, we find that um why are they called Yehudim? You know, Yehudah was only, only the tribe of Judah. How were they called the Yehudim? Um, so it says Yehudim with a Yud, one Yud. And later on it says Yehudim with two Yuds. He said, because in the beginning, it was only the Jews who were observant. They were the ones who suffered. But later on, when they made the decree, they didn't distinguish between the Jews who were religious, non-religious, didn't make any difference. Like Hitler went after all Jews, it didn't matter you were religious, not religious. And he told us this, this, this troublemaker, this Jewish troublemaker, he says, when you're going to have tsars, you're gonna you're going to become very sick, you'll also become a Yehudi, you'll also become a Jew. You know, you'll do Teshuvah and you'll, you'll remember who you are. Now you're rebelling and you're so clever and so smart and you, you dedicated your life to uproot Judaism, to enlighten the Jewish Jewish people and to uproot uh, old-fashioned Judaism. When Hashem will honor you with such pain and suffering, that you can't imagine, then you'll see that suddenly you'll wake up and you realize you're just a Jew like all of us and you'll remember those good old-fashioned values. That's exactly what happened. The guy became very sick and uh, hopefully at the end of his life he did the shuvah. So the previous rabbi is telling these communists, these Jewish communists, the Yavsakzi, who were the worst communists. They were the ones who destroyed Jewish life more than anyone. He says, and when, when, when they turn against you, you remind yourself that you're Jewish. You remember that you're Jewish. At the end, Stalin turned against all the Jewish communists. He had the all shot. He didn't trust them. He had the most (laughs) shot. When when the previous Rebbe told the story, so the the interrogator asked the previous Rebbe when he told the story about this maskil. This maskil was this uh, apicoitus, this heretic. So he says, like me? (laughs) I'm also a heretic. The previous Rebbe said, no, no. This one was a huge scholar. They were great scholars. They were knowledgeable. And they became atheists. They became heretics. You're just an ignoramus. <laughs> you're just, you're just, you're, you don't know anything. <laughs> you don't know Talmud. You don't know My You don't know philosophy. You're just a, a boor. A boor. <laughs> so there's one thing a person doesn't know. I don't know. You don't know because you never learned. Of course you don't know. You never understand. You never thought. You never put two thoughts together. You never used your brain. You never... It's another thing. When a person is studying for years, and he's breaking his head. And then he comes to the realization that I don't know and I can't know. That's a whole different level. So the first matzah is like, is like the infant. He has no knowledge. He has no awareness. He doesn't understand. This. He's not even capable of understanding. You can't explain to a child that a mother is or a father is. He doesn't understand. But it's not necessary. He knows. He knows. In his guts, he knows. And he's very attached to this he has the essence in a very concentrated form, but he doesn't, it's like baby formula, but he doesn't understand. It. Versus when you reach a level that you truly understand, and you know, and you realize that all the knowledge in the world, and all the understanding in the world, is nothing in comparison to Hashim. And therefore, I'm completely egoless before Hashim. That's why King David says in Tehillim, chapter 139, Before Hashem, light, darkness is like light. Which doesn't make sense. It should have said, darkness is like light. Because there's no darkness before Hashem. You can't hide before Hashem. Before Hashem, there's no concealment, there's no darkness. Everything is open, everything is light. But, but it says, In other words, not only only is darkness like light, but light is like darkness. The most brilliant illumination, the deepest understanding to Hashem is like darkness. Because it's nothing. Our deepest understanding, our greatest accomplishment, our greatest achievement, perfection, wholeness, anything you can imagine, the greatest level of perfection, the most sublime, to Hashem, that is darkness, it's nothing. It's as if it doesn't exist, it means nothing. That's what Yiddish is saying, that's Jewish faith. Not only that you can't hide before Hashem and darkness is like light, but the greatest light is like darkness, Is nothing. It's all equal to Hashem, it's nothing. To realize that and to truly experience that, this is a breakthrough. This is a level of greatness. This is, this is the second matzah. This is the higher level of matzah. This is the hay within the hay, what's hidden in the hay. This is, it's not revealed to the child, to the infant. He's just simply not capable of grasping it yet. But when a person reaches the highest level of all the understanding in the world, what's the ultimate knowledge? To know that I don't know. To know that I can't know. When you know the limitations of the brain, now science understands the limitations of the brain. Dark matter, dark energy. We don't know, we can't know, we don't even have the tools to know, we never will know. All we know is just one little tiny sliver and it's nothing. But we know it now. Now we know it and we understand it. That's the difference. That's the highest level. Then, there's not even a possibility of turning sour, of, of leavening, of becoming khamet. You don't need protection. ultimately, What's the climax of, of Pesach? Pesach leads us to let my people go so that they should serve me. The UJA just took the first half of the verse. They left out the last half. Shalach <laughs> azami, let my people go. But the <laughs> Yavduni, they should know me, they should serve; the, they accept the Torah. That's Shavuos, that's the giving of the Torah, the climax. What's the highlight of Shavuos? Eat bread. The sacrifice of the bread. The only time in the temple, everything in the temple was matzah. Only two exceptions. The Shtea alechem, which was the highlight of the Shavuos holiday offering, the special offering for Shavuos. The sheep, the karbanis, with the ste Lechem, with the two breads. And the carbon which we just read in, uh, in today's Chumash. Just, just reading Chumash. The of the, the, the thanksgiving offering. And it says when Mashiach will come, all the offerings will be nullified because you won't need any offering. You won't need a guilt offering. There won't be any sin. You won't need a sin offering. The only offering that will remain will be the thanksgiving offering because we're going to be constantly giving thanksgiving to Hashem for all the miracles and wonders. Just like there's going to be a breakthrough. There'll be a redemption. Every day there'll be another breakthrough. It's going it's to get better and better, breakthrough after breakthrough. So we'll constantly be thanking Hashem for all the wonders and miracles. The carbon taida had Chometz. Because when Mashiach will come, you won't have to worry about Chometz. Chometz represents ego, arrogance. Arrogance needs protection. It, it can very easily turn sour. It can very easily turn negative. Even the slightest arrogance ruins everything. It ruins marriages. It ruins friendships. It ruins business relationships, it ruins communities. A little arrogance, a little ego, and it completely destroyed. But on the other hand, when a person is so permeated with a sense of egolessness, when you're so permeated with the truth that there is no other reality before Hashem, And before Hashem, not only is light, is darkness like light. Light is like darkness. The greatest light, Hashem, is nothing. It's the equivalent of darkness. As a Navi says, if you acted righteously or you sinned, Hashem, it's all the same really because you simply don't exist. It doesn't mean anything. When you realize and you understand it and you feel it and you experience that, then it just becomes a tube. Then ego becomes a tube. That's why who becomes king? A king seemingly is very arrogant. A king has to be strong. A king can't be meek. A king can't forgive in his honor. A king has to carry himself with dignity. And he has to be strong and he has to be, people have to respect him. There's no room for humility. A king has to be strong, powerful. Who becomes king? King David, who was the most humble. Because when you're totally humble, then it just, it's just another tool in your hand. It's not, not, I can use it. I'm not afraid of it. I don't have to worry about it. Because a Jew needs pride in your life. The very opening of the code of Jewish law is, don't be ashamed of those who mock you. To be Jewish, you have to be very strong. You have to be proud. You can't be a shmata. You can't just be, have people walk all over you and be a doormat. You have to stand up. Stand up for yourself. Stand up for your principles. Be strong, firm, unyielding, unbudging. So there's no room for meekness. So, so, so a person has to be proud. I'm proud to be Jewish. I'm part of Hashem's chosen people. I'm not, uh, there's no meekness. I'm proud to be a chassid. I'm proud. I have to be very proud. But how do you make sure that it doesn't turn negative? Pride it's a very dangerous. You're walking a tightrope. You know, once you start with pride, where does it begin? Where does it end? A small thing, and it the whole dough turns sour and leavens, and the whole thing is lost. All it takes a drop of pride. Just like all it takes is one little thought, and you can ruin your whole yiddishkeit. You can do 613 mitzvahs. If you have one thought of idolatry. You've lost everything. One split second. You have one thought of idolatry or one thought of hereticism. I don't believe in God. I'm not sure. Maybe yeah. Your whole Yiddishkeit is nothing. Zero. You've just destroyed everything. One second. One bit of pride, misplaced pride, arrogance. Hashem says, I can't stand this person. I can't be in this four cubits. I despise him. Can you imagine Hashem despising himself? He could, but, but he knows the whole Talmud backwards and forwards. He's doing all 613 minutes. Yeah. One second of idolatry, idolatrous thought, and it's all over. One s- drop of pride, and it's gone. So you need protection. Matzah needs protection. You have to watch it. You have to watch it like a hawk. We're so careful on Pesach, we have been looking cranny in every crumb, and we're careful. We, we, from, from when we harvest the wheat in the summer, we make sure it should be dry and... It should be, the sun should be out for days. It should be so dry and we protect it. We go out of our way, we're so crazy to make sure that everything should be, because it needs protection. All it takes is one little thing and you blew it. The whole thing is gone, finished. You have to throw it out, it's worthless. That's all it takes. But the matzah, the second level of matzah, the matzah that comes as a result of after midnight, the vav, which comes as a result of the revelation of Hashem. This matzah, it doesn't even allow the do to rise. It doesn't even give it a chance because you're so egoless that you're not even afraid of ego. I can use ego, it just becomes a tool, I'm not afraid of it. And that becomes the highlight of the shavuos, of the whole service of a Jew. So that's using pride in a healthy way, in a good way. Give you strength and to give you. A lot of detail, but that's basically the gist of the mimer. This class is part of the Lessons in Tanya project. More classes available at LessonsInTanya.com.